Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Let's start with verse 1. It's really just verse 4 that I want us to focus in on, but can't really skip these verses. This is a good this is a good chapter. Psalm 37 verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evil doers. That's good. That's good th- these days, isn't it? You say, "Oh, what, what are all this stuff going on?" Hey, don't worry about it. Right? Uh, Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Here's a good verse. Verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You know, just kind of thinking of the definitions of delight and desire. Delight is a high degree of pleasure or or satisfaction of mind. It's joy. A desire is that emotion or excitement of mind. It's 
it's directed at, you know, attaining or possessing something with pleasure. It's, it's something that you're expecting, expected to get. And so when you think of desire or, or um, delight, you know, these are, that's, a, that's a strong pull. Strong human pull is your desire something or, or, or push toward those things. It's pulling you that way. And I think that it's pretty clear, obvious in Scripture, but also in our own lives, that there are, there are good desires and then there are bad desires. Would you agree with that? There are desires that are good to, to, to seek after, but then there are those that would hurt us, harm us, um, uh, you know, even destroy our lives. And so some examples of those that are, are not good, uh, beginning all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent came and tempts Eve to fall to sin, the Bible says there in that passage, and when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye, a tree to be desired... To make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. Now, here's, a, here's an example of a, a wrong desire. Now, she had a desire to be wise, but she also, this desire was taking her away from God's word, God's clear word. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 20, 21, the Bible says this, Neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shalt thou cover thy neighbor's house, or his field, or his manservant, or his maidservant, or his ox, or his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. Hey, we shouldn't desire that which are other people's things. Here's another one. Deuteronomy 7.25. The graven image of their God, small g, shall you burn with fire, that thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, or take it unto thee, lest thou be snared Therein, for it is an abomination unto the Lord. So you get the point here that there are, I don't think it takes a lot to convince us that there are some wrong desires, some things that we could be desiring in our heart and our mind that would harm us, hurt us, is not good. Destroy our lives, destroy our families, break up our fellowship with the Lord. The Bible talks about this in the New Testament, found in Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 3, where it says those that are not born again, those that are not saved, that they live in such a way as to just fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Meaning, without, without being born again, without the Spirit of God in our lives, you know, we just live a lives just to kind of do what feels good. Just live a life to do, you know, just to fulfill whatever our little hearts desire, right? And, and it says, hey, this is going to lead a wrong direction. But there's good desires, things that as we desire that it becomes a, a magnet or a push in our life that is good. So take your Bibles and turn, you're in Psalms, go to Psalms 19. What a good chapter here, Psalms 19. I'm laying the groundwork for something here, and then we'll get to the point. Psalms 19. A 
Again, I was just going to read verse 10, but such a good chapter, we need to read a few more of these verses. The Bible says in verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I mean, it'll change you. God's word will change us. It'll convert us. It'll give us new life. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Look at this. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Think about that for just a second. The psalmist, David, the king of Israel, is saying this is to be desired far more than gold. Yea, than fine gold. I mean, more than wealth. More than anything that you could uh, obtain financially. God's word is far more to be desired. He said, he said, more to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Then he says, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. He said, hey, it's desirable, God's word. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is what? Great reward. I only used a couple verses here just to make the point this morning. But Psalms actually is full of verses talking about having a desire for God's word. He says in Psalms 8, or excuse me, Proverbs 8, 11, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Like anything that you could think of, anything wonderful, anything good that you could ever think you could obtain in this life, he says, shouldn't be compared to the, to the treasure of God's Word. Can I say this? Without God's Word, we would be lost in complete darkness. We wouldn't know God. We wouldn't, know, we wouldn't have a perfect path or a perfect way to be in fellowship with God. And there is something, you say... How is it that I should desire God's word that way? Well, that comes from a new birth. And there's a verse that explains that really well in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says this. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. You know, just as the, the natural birth of a baby. You know what? They, they, they desire food. They desire the milk, right? It's just natural. Would you agree? The same is true with the new birth, the spiritual birth. When, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit moves inside, when there's a new birth, there is just something in there that desires the Word of God. There's a desire for it. Like, I need that. I need that spiritual food. Why? That I can grow. That I can grow, that I can have victory in my life. I need it. I, I begin to desire spiritual things. I begin to desire godly things, meaning things that come from God. Godly things. Psalm uh, Romans 7 and verse 22, the Bible says this, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. You know, there's an inward person. 
When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's not just the outward. There's now an inward. There's a spiritual, a supernatural. This is a result of that new birth. This is a result of salvation. This is a result of that new life in Christ. We use the word uh, being saved. Meaning, meaning that God, through Jesus Christ, forgives us of our sins and gives us eternal life. And the evidence of that is the indwelling spirit, the third person of the Trinity living inside. There's an inward man, an inward person that desires spiritual things. And now, and I think you know this, I'm positive you do, now with, that, with, the, with the inward and the outward, now you have a choice, don't you? Am I going to go after these things that the inward man desires? Or am I going to go after these things that the old desires? Am I going to go after the new, the new that gives life? Or am I going to go after the old that gives, brings what? Death. It's a choice. It's a choice. You know, as I read this verse and was thinking about it this week, that Psalms 37, 4, I don't know if this will strike you the same way it did me. But he says, delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And I got to thinking, you know, that's backward of how I think. That's backward of how we think. You know, he says, usually we would say this. I desire what I think will give me delight. Isn't that how we think? I begin to desire after something that I think will give me pleasure. I begin to desire after something that I think will bring me... But he says, no, you delight in God. You delight in the Lord. And you know what begins to happen? Our desires begin to change. Our desires, we begin, as we delight in God and in Him, you know what happens? The things that we may have delighted in, the things that may have had a really strong uh, power in, in and over our lives begin to fall away as we begin to delight in God. Our desires change. And desire strong. That's what, one of the points I'm trying to make is a desire is, you know, to fight against that's hard. You know, to fight against those desires. So you, want, you just want the wind to your back. You want to set the sail right so that the desires are pushing you in the right direction. You want to be desiring after the good things. You say, how do I do that? Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. You know, the Bible mentions a few things about this. In Proverbs, he tells us this. He tells us in Proverbs that we need to guide our hearts in the way. That's an interesting way of thinking. You know, you know what we say today? You know what we say to young people? Follow your heart, don't we? That's not scriptural. You know what the Bible says? Guide your heart. God, find out what's right and true in the Word of God and then set it that way. Guide your heart. Don't follow your heart. Your heart might lead you the wrong direction. He says, guide your heart. Find out what's right in the Lord and then guide your heart that way. He also says this. He says, set your affections on things above. Again, that kind of challenges the way we think. You know what we think? Well, I can't, I can't affect what, you know, I can't change how, what I like. 
My affections, I can't change how I feel. No, he says, yeah, you set your affections on things above. Set your affections on things that are godly. Set them that way. Don't just follow them. Don't just allow them to to rule over you to to get these things. You know, the Bible talks about, and you're familiar with this passage in Psalms 1. But we got to read it. Psalms 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You know what he said? Hey, there's a blessing for the person that doesn't go the way of the world. That sets their direction toward God. That sets their heart toward God. That sets their heart towards God's will and God's way. There's a great blessing. Blessed is the man. He says... Verse 2, look at this. We're talking about delight. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. What's this blessed individual thinking about? God's word. What does he delight in? God's word. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit and his season. And his leaf also shall not wither. Look at this. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Again, there's many verses in Psalms, not just about desire, but about delight. It says in Psalms 40 and verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, the, thy law is within my heart. You know what's, you know what's wrong? It's for us to think, oh, to, to live in a godly way is hard. To follow God's will is hard. You know, that's not true. You know what the Bible says? The way of the transgressor is hard. To go that direction is the hard life. You want a hard life? Go the way of the transgressor. Go the way of sin. But you want to have a good life? You know what the good life is? Going God's way. I delight to do thy will, O God. I want to follow your way. I want to follow your path. He says in Psalms 119.24, and I just picked a couple. There's a lot about delight in Psalms. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. So you say, okay, Sean, I get the point. (laughs) There's wrong desires. There's good desires. I should delight in spiritual things. I should delight in godly things. But the question is, how do we change? I mean, you know, reality sets in. How do we change? How does my heart change? How does my mind change? How How do we break through the bondage of sinful desires? Think of it like this. Think of it like an appetite. There's an ap- appetite for lust, appetite for greed, appetite for covetousness, pride, hate. There's appetites for these things. You say, well, the Bible says to confess it and forsake it. Sure, that's right. Confess our sins and forsake it. Sure. But can I say this? There are some strongholds in people's lives. There's some strongholds in people's hearts and people's minds of sinful desires. And I would say even in this room, I know we're all, you're all great folks in here, but, but I, I struggle. I think we struggle. We all struggle. Would you? I mean, can we be honest that we have? We are sinful. We have sinful, uh, sinful natures, and so we, we need some help. 
that there's some strongholds in our hearts and our minds that, you know what, we, we got to admit to it and get some help with it and break some sinful desires and some appetites. Second Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. By the way, if you're, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you're in a, a warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. And there are some strongholds that are, that, that are in our hearts and in our minds. And he says in the next verse, casting down imaginations. You say, where does the battle, where does the battle happen? I would say for most of us, the spiritual battle happens right here. Would you agree with this? The spiritual battle happens right here in the mind. He says, and cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what? Thought to the obedience of Christ. So here's the message this morning. God has given us some weapons to be able to break some of these strongholds of desires that are hurtful in our lives, appetites that are hurtful in our lives. Think of them like this. Think of God has given us some supernatural tools in order to give us victory in our lives. And you know what? All nice folks sitting here this morning, you know, a lot of the problems that we face and battle with in our mind, it's hidden from all of us. I'm not preaching to someone here. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to all of us. I don't know what you're going through. But, but I do know that we do struggle with things. And, and, and you say, it's hidden, it's hidden to, to everyone else, but it's not hidden from God. And we need to break some of these strongholds that are in our lives, some of these things that are going on in our lives. So I want you to take your Bible. I know Jim's going to put it up on the screen for us, but I want you to look at this because you may have to go back to it later in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. There's a couple verses I actually want you to look at. Even though Jim's putting them up on the screen, I want you to look at in, our, in your Bible just in case, again, you need to go back because you may need to do some spiritual warfare. And you need to have some of these scriptures available to us. Mark chapter 9, verse 29. Mark chapter 9 and verse 29. The Bible says this. And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. You see that? By what? Prayer and what? Fasting. Now you might go back and read the context of this later. But the context here is that Jesus Christ had given his disciples some power. Given his disciples some spiritual strength and spiritual power. But in this instance, in this case that we're facing here, they were lacking power. They were lacking victory uh, in this spiritual battle, in this spiritual warfare. They were lacking it. And you know what the Lord was saying to them? Hey, in this case, in this kind that was a little stronger, this kind that was a little... uh, Can I say it this way, if you understand the passage? Hey, he said, this kind of devil takes a little more power. This kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. Can I I maybe say this to you? This kind of depression in your life may not come but by prayer and fasting. This kind of bondage in your mind and in your heart may not come but by prayer and fasting. 
Is that all right? You say, I'm coming to church on a Sunday morning. And for the visitors, you're like, I didn't, I didn't plan on hearing a sermon about fasting. Hey, this is what the Lord's given us. I feel like we need it. I feel like we need it. I feel like this is something that may help us. You say, uh, we, we teach, teach some things here that will be able to help us in our spiritual lives. And, and uh, though I'm not preaching to any, any individual, I'm preaching to all of us, I believe all of us could use some, some tools, spiritual tools and spiritual weapons in our lives to be able to overcome some of the bondages that can hurt and destroy us. He says, this kind of desire, this kind of bondage in your mind comes not but by prayer and fasting. It doesn't just say by prayer, does it? It says, and fasting, and fasting. You say, I've prayed a lot about this bondage. I've prayed a lot about this sin in my life. I've prayed a lot about this area of my life. This morning, it may be some fasting that you've got to do. You may get, get into it a little more. By the way, uh, the Bible does, as I prepare for this message, the Bible tells us a lot about fasting. And, and, and you know, you say, I've not heard this very much. Hey, we as a church, we don't want to lose this. The Bible tells us to fast. And so we don't want to lose this in our lives. This is one of those spiritual warfare, spiritual weapons that we might be able to use to be able to get some victory in our lives. Take your Bibles. Again, I, I know Jim's going to put it up on the, on the screen, but this might be something that you've got to go back to later today. So turn there in your Bibles, Isaiah 58. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. We're going to read the last verse to get uh, an idea of what the chapter is about and then, and then back up. Isaiah 58 verse 14. Isaiah 58 14, the Bible says this. Then, I want you to notice that word, then. Shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. And feed thee with the uh, heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So he says, then, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. Why is the then there? Why is that then? Then after what? The context of Isaiah 58 is about fasting. It's about fasting. So back up just a little bit. The, the first part of Isaiah 58 is about maybe the wrong way or the wrong reason or the wrong motive for fasting. But then it begins to tell us the right way and the right reasons and the right motives for fasting. So he says in verse, pick it up with me in verse 5. Is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ash under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? And to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, 
And that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out of thy house? When thou hast seen the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. He says, hey, is this the the fast that I've chosen? This is the way I've chosen? You know what he starts off with? Fasting is a humbling experience. Fasting is a humbling experience. You might say, hey, I'm strong, I've got talent, I've got ability, all these sort of things. Uh, go, go 24 hours without food or coffee. You know what you start to do? You start to feel weak. You know what you start to say? Oh, I'm just human. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a self-affliction. It is a humbling yourself. He says like the, the bull rush. He said it's a, it's a getting, getting the right perspective between you and the Lord. You know what we need to do? Uh, you know what we need to do as, as believers? We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. Fasting is one of those ways that you can do that. You can humble yourself before God by fasting. You think, hey, I'm in control. I, I you know... Ah, I hate fasting, just so you know. I don't even like preaching this message because the terrible part about preaching this message is I have to do it. And, and, and your brain doesn't work well. Mine doesn't work well without coffee for some reason. But it's humbling. In John 3, he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. You know, there is something really spiritually healthy about us humbling ourselves before the Lord. Decreasing a little bit to say, hey, this isn't all about me. Getting our focus on God and what's right before Him. This isn't all about me. He says there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a special thing here. He says that fasting, isn't this the one that the loose the bands of wickedness? You know, I believe that some, some vice... Some wickedness, whether it's outward or inward, has a grip on us. And boy, I'll tell you, if we can say no to food, we can say no to just about anything else. There's some, there's some bondages that break. There's some things that break when we uh, allow God to work in our lives in this way. Some wickedness that breaks. Some, he says, is this not to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free. Can I, can I just guess this morning that there's probably some folks in here this morning that are carrying some heavy burdens that are oppressed or depressed. You know what he says? Hey, here's a spiritual weapon. Here's a spiritual tool that if it's done the right way, God can bring some victory. And it's God that gives the victory. Uh, it's God that does that. But he says, hey, here's a way to humble yourself and come before the Lord to find some direction, to find some growth, to be able to break some bondages in our life. You say, hey, this one besetting sin has just, has just bothered, has been hanging on for years. This thing in my mind has been troubling me for years. And the Lord says, hey, there's a way to get serious about that. This is why we fast, to break the yoke to get freedom, to get victory, to get growth in our life. 
I know this doesn't seem super uplifting. I like preaching encouraging messages. But you know what? We could go on. We could go on and act like we don't have problems. And then someday it just blow up. Or we could deal with it now. We could get this, some victories in our hearts and minds now. And, you know, get it out of our life. Get some victories over some of the bondages now. If you want, this is available to us. He says this to deal your bread to the poor. To be able to notice those that are in need. To notice those that are naked and to be able to cover them up. You know, I believe that if we're not careful as Christians, you know what we can do? We can just go on and not see the needs of this world. We can go on. You know what, you know what happens? Uh, you know what fasting may be able to do for you, for me? Is to be able to get our, our focus off of ourself. You know, a lot of times we are very self-centered <laughs> as humans. We're very, you know, the way to say it is we're very selfish. And he says, hey, this is a way for you to get the focus off you, to be able to give, to be able to do something. You know, sometimes greed and covetousness, you know, money has a way to get a grip on our lives where we become very self-centered and selfish. But you know what he says? Hey, if you're able to give up some of your food, you might be able to give up some of your money as well. Meaning it won't have that bondage on you. You know, it can have a bondage on us. It can, it can grip us down and, and we can become self-centered. And, and he says, hey, there's a way here where you can have a little bit of self-control. Where we're able to say no to certain things that will hurt us or be able to deny certain things that will desi- desire some things. You know, having the ability to d- be able to deny ourselves. That's self-control. At times we need this. To be able to break these bondages. To be able to open our eyes to others in need. To be able to open our eyes as a Christians, as a church to the Great Commission. What are we called to do? We're called to preach the gospel to all the world. I believe it's God that opens doors to the gospel. To preach the gospel. But I, I also believe that before Paul and Silas, uh, were, 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 or, or Titus, I can't remember now, was sent, sent out uh, in, in Acts to the second missionary journey, you know what the church did? Fasted and what? Prayed before he left, before they left. I believe that God will open doors and God will break bondages, but we many times need to get serious with God about this. This... Uh, you know, the ongoing besetting sin, ongoing thing in our life that maybe God wants to break the bondage. Hey, whether it's food or greed or just focusing on our own problems. You know, sometimes self-centeredness is like, it's like, I'm depressed or I'm burdened or I'm this or I'm that. But before long, we're spending all of our time thinking about what? Me. Like my problems and my sin and my this or that. And sometimes the Lord says, hey, maybe this is something to just break that bondage of everything of being about you. And open our eyes to there's other things in the world uh, to be concerned with. Then, here's the good news. Here's the good news. I get into that. Then, verse 8. After this, after the fasting, after the denying of self, after the self-humiliation, after the affliction, then, verse 8, then, verse 8, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. It's like, it's like 
Have you ever experienced something like that in life where it's just like there was a time of darkness and then all of a sudden the light just broke through? It's like God gave deliverance. God gave light. It's just like you got victory. Have you ever experienced something? That's it. Then, after, after the humbling, after the self-denial, after the, this, then the light shines through. Then break forth as the morning. And thy health shall spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. And the glory of the Lord shall be thy rear word. That, that word there is, is a military term, meaning like God is, in, like in the military, it would be the, the people bringing up the rear, the back. He's saying, hey, then God will have your back. Isn't that good? Then God will be able to take care of you this way. In verse 9, then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. You know, sometimes there are people that just need to get serious in prayer. You need an answer from God. We need some direction. We need a this or that. Hey, can I suggest prayer and fasting? He says, thou shalt, thou shalt cry, and he shall say, here am I. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light arise in obscurity, and thy darkness shall be as the noonday. And the Lord shall what? Guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden. You see that? I mean, this is good news, isn't it? Fruitful. Satisfying our soul. You know what this is? The Lord becomes our delight. There's fruitfulness. It says He will guide you. You know, some, some folks are, are, are at a crossroads and need some wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of God. He said, God will guide you. And He says, and like a spring of water... Whose waters fail not. I, when I read that, that spring of water, I think of what? Wellspring. That's us. But hey, we don't want, you know, we don't want to just, just uh, not get serious with the Lord in times when we need to. In the times of fasting, there are some, some burdens, some oppression, some, some maybe lack of self-control that we need to get some victory over in our lives. And God will give it. He'll give us spiritual growth. He'll give these things. But... He's suggested in, in his word that, hey, this, this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be what? Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, being rooted and grounded in love. You know what we need? As believers, we need to be strengthened inside. Spiritual strength. Spiritual strength. We don't want to be spiritually weak. We don't want to be spiritually weak. 2 Corinthians, last passage. We're about done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not. Don't quit. Don't give up. Faint not. And though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know, you know what fasting does? Sometimes it makes the outward man feel like it's perishing. But you know what? It can be good for the inward. 
It can be renewing. He says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not on things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are, say it, temporal. But the things which are not seen are... We need to be spiritually minded. Focusing on that which is eternal. An eternal mindset. We don't want to just be led around by those natural desires, those natural things, setting our affections on things above. Guiding our heart in the way. You know, we don't want to miss the spiritual growth and the spiritual blessing and the spiritual victory that Christ has already made available. Can I say this in closing? That... Christ has given the victory on the cross. Christ has given the victory. His blood that was shed for us is given the victory. He's given us the victory over the penalty of sin. If you're here this morning, can I tell you the good news, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that Christ died for our sin. And let's make it personal. He died for your sin. He died so that you don't have to pay the penalty sin yourself. Christ took it upon himself. Christ died, but then he was buried and in his own power, and in his own strength, he rose from the dead giving hope of eternal life. That's one of the pictures we'll see, hopefully if it's not raining hard, of the baptism, of the, the death and the what? Resurrection. You know what Piper's saying to everyone? Hey, I believe in the resurrection. I believe that I have eternal life because I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In a moment, I'll give you a chance to do that. It's an invitation to trust Christ, to know that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, He has delivered us from the penalty of sin. That you can know that you're Justified, just as if you'd never sinned. That Christ's righteousness was imputed to your account. This is good news. Hey, if you hit the lottery, that's not as good news as this. This is eternal. That's temporal. We're talking about good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the best thing that's ever been told to us as human beings. It really is. It's the best thing ever been told to anyone. This is good news. And it's offered to you today. Would you receive it? Would you accept it? You say, how do I do that? By faith. It's not necessarily the words that you're saying, but it's you reaching out and grabbing onto God from the heart and saying, I'm trusting in you and you alone as my Savior, as my God, as my, for my forgiveness of sins. But for those that are believers, Christians, can I also say that the cross of Jesus Christ not only delivers us and paid for the penalty of sin, but He also can deliver us from the power of sin. That we as believers, with the Holy Spirit living inside, do not have to live under the power of sin. God's made a way for us to break some of those bondages, to get out from some of those heavy burdens, those yokes that have just been holding us on. He said, lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Let's pray. Lord, God, as we sing this song to you, Lord, I pray that those that have been prompted by the Holy Spirit, 
Uh, God, each of us, that we would surrender our hearts to you. God, that we would call out to you in faith. And God, that you would hear us and deliver us as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Us page on our website or write to us 
at 2094 East State Route 73, Waynesville, Ohio, 45068. And feel free to visit us if you're in the South Dayton, Ohio area.